Hello and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Well, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is entitled Scattershoot. Is that a robot? No, it's not a robot. Okay. Scattershoot. Scattershoot. Scattershoot like is the title. Shoot, but, but different? Not skeet shoot. Mm. No, no. I'd Scatter love to talk shoot. about skeet shooting. Well, Another I'm not time. very good at it. Okay. You That's know. what I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about what Christopher's not good at. You know, on a side note, do you remember yes. our staff retreat, senior staff retreat we took a long time ago out near Howard Payne? Yeah. To the ranch? Yeah. Right? Yes. Man, I invested so many years in shooting and mm. trying to get good at shooting. It was even a range officer for a season. Really? Yet, when we shot that day, yeah. I couldn't hit nothing. <laughs> that was terrible. Wow. And I haven't touched a gun since. Could be your cataracts. Yes. Hey, today we, our episode is titled Scatter Shoot, and we have a couple topics we want to talk about, but they're kind of random, yeah. so we're just going to kind of, you know, lean back in the chair and just talk about it, not that far from the mic though, right? Oh, thanks. Uh, and just talk about a couple things, kind of what's on <laughs> our hearts. And mm. so what our global audience doesn't know is that part <laughs> of the... Uh, Love the optimism. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've hit 50 <laughs> listeners now. I'm very excited. My grandmother But they France. are all across Burleson. Yeah. So I call that global. <laughs> what our audience doesn't know is that you and I have a unique relationship. We've been friends now for about 20 years. Yes. And so in the midst of that, though, one of the things that we have a devotion towards is that once a week that you and I spend Monday mornings together and we talk about church, we yeah. talk about life, we talk yeah. about our families, we just kind of share what's going on in our hearts, we laugh and we talk, pray, whatever yeah. it is. But yeah. that relational time together is so critical. Yes, I agree. So one of the things to kind of start us off with in our Monday morning meeting, we were just kind of sharing, you know, what, kind of what's on your heart. And one of the topics that we're wrestling with, which is almost kind of counterintuitive, is that we're kind of wrestling with COVID a little bit. <laughs> and, and you had shared some of the issues you're wrestling with. And I thought it might be a great time for you to just share with the world what's really on your heart and, you know, where are you at and what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it's just the never-ending issue of this COVID-19 that when you feel like you, we've taken some steps forward, then here comes a new variant or whatever and kind of pushes us back. So it's just, you know, thinking about Scripture, talking about perseverance, and especially in James, where it talks about various trials and tribulations and all produces perseverance. But I'm kind of tired of being tested with perseverance or perseverance created. So it's just that staying true for the long haul and realizing there's going to be moments of breakdown. And I think that's okay. Breakdown for who? Well, just for leaders, for, for Christians, for leaders, for, yeah, for me, it's like, I just need to get away for a minute, take a break from all this for a minute. Because it's kind of like, you know, if you're always breathing out, you never take a breath in, you're going to hyperventilate. And so I think that's easy to do. We talk about that all the time pre-COVID, but now that this is just this ongoing pandemic, it's easy to lose sight of all that. And it's easy to start focusing on the negative. I mean, I think as leaders, we're supposed to be positive, be realistic, but be positive. But sometimes it's hard to be positive when you've had to keep that up for long periods of time. So what are what are some of the things that you're experiencing? And I say you, really, it's what are we experiencing that are causing you to have an unsettled feeling? Yeah, I think it's just the stress of leading, the stress of persevering, the stress of living life in light of all that's going on from the political scene to the pandemic, to 
economy, all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, we are, our bodies are designed, we can handle stress, we can deal with stress, but when it's over a long period of time without a break, that's when damage occurs. And I think that's kind of where we're seeing ourselves right now. It's just this, oh, come on again. Here's another one. Especially talking to people in healthcare or, you know, have businesses trying to make it and feel like they're finally gaining some ground and then it's taken away from them and trying to minister to those kind of people and just the, that perspective. And I think we were encouraged the other day by one of our trustees that, you know, this is a time you really need to focus on God's grace mm. and really identify it. Right. So we talk about God's grace and that's, you know, kind of out there concept, but let's talk about tangible things we've seen that's demonstrations of God's grace. And just the other day, we were talking about things that have happened in our church before COVID that looking back now prepared us to not survive, but actually thrive during this time as a church. And that's a great reminder that God wasn't surprised by this. And we say that, that's a cliche, but when you start seeing him, and this is how we know he wasn't surprised because he did this, 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 and this, Right. we had no idea what was about to hit. I agree with all that. And there, there's no doubt every single one of us that are in ministry over this season, not that dissimilar from any leader of any organization and having to deal with the ebb and flow that COVID has caused from supply chain from profitability, from HR issues. I mean, it's been a mess, and it still is. I mean, from a super practical level, just today I was looking at uh, we needed to buy some new light fixtures for a space in our church. So I just went back to an order that I had looked at right right before COVID, ordered some light fixtures. They're twice as expensive today as they were before COVID. Right. So, I mean, that's certainly challenging. I think from a personal level, if we're going to really pull the veil back, one of the things that we wrestle with, and I think this is going to connect with other pastors out there, is that while we shouldn't (laughs) measure our success and our effectiveness is probably a better word for it, based on numbers, there's just some real stuff to that. You know, if I'm teaching a class or a workshop on leadership, and I've got six people in the room, it's a very different energy level and feel than when I have a thousand people in the room. Or realistically, you have a thousand. For me, it's more like 25 to 50. Yeah. Right? So on a Sunday morning, when we shut down, March 14th, we made the call because the mayor reached out and asked personally for us to not have church the next day. Yes, overnight we did that. That's right. So we shut down that Saturday, the 15th was our first, March 15th, our first online. Mm -hmm. And then the 24th, somewhere of June, something like that. Yeah. was our first Sunday back, but even then it was like 50 people in the room. Right. So yeah. that's I know that's got to be wearing on you yeah. during that early season. And then we go through the, the comeback, mm-hmm. right, to where we actually, by God's grace, started to approach our pre-COVID attendance numbers. Yes. And then last Sunday, we had <laughs> our lowest attendance in a long, long time. Yeah. Like half of the people that yeah. we would normally have. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, on your behalf and mine as well, that's kind of hurtful. It's hard to do that. It is. You know, it's frustrating, too, because when we were only having online services and people were talking about, you know, when are we going to open up? When are we going to get back? We're anxious to get back, anxious to get back. Okay, now we're open. Where are you? But it's, I think that was expectation. When we open back up, that means the virus is leaving or gone. And that was just a crazy way to think. And even now talking about, let's not talk pre-COVID. Let's not compared to pre-COVID anymore. Well, that's really hard to do because, you know, momentum was being built and things were happening and then all of a sudden automatic shutdown and you miss that and want that kind of momentum back. And it's, there's momentum. It's just a different momentum that ebbs and flows a lot more severe than I think it did before. Well, it's also super frustrating that when we were shut down and when we were early coming back, our online viewership of our services was exceptionally high. 
right? And so yeah. now that we have live services again, yeah. even though those people are not at church, our online viewership is very yeah. small. Yeah. Well, and, and I hate COVID. I am so tired of talking about COVID. You know, I remember during that time when, like, television shows, they weren't producing new shows. And then when they finally started doing that, all those TV shows were dealing with COVID. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Let's talk about, let's change the subject and let's talk about something else. Every one of the shows that I love to watch, I would go on, it was something dealing with COVID and the, like, oh man, it's just, it's just nonstop and it's everywhere. So we want to come back and circle back to God's grace in just a moment. Yet for all those that are listening that are just thinking, man, these guys are pretty shallow. All they want is more people <laughs> in their church. If we can just state that the reason we want more people back in, in church has nothing to do with, I mean, it's not all about getting numbers into the church, but it has largely to do our deepest convictions mm. that Christian life cannot be properly, fully lived alone. Right. That you must be a part of a church family. You must have that community of believers. Yes. You must have a church family for accountability, for encouragement, for discipleship, all these things. And we know for a fact through our own personal lives, friends, stories, family, that when you break a habit of being a part of a church family, mm. it's really hard to get that back. Yeah. And so to a level, I think our heart breaks over people that are not coming back to church. It does, and we are wired for corporate worship. There's something supernatural that happens when we come together as God's people and worship Him. And when you don't have that, it's going to impact you on every layer of your life. And so that's the fear that, again, I keep referring back to the parable of the 99 sheep and the one, and that one sheep was in great danger of wolves and the elements because it was out there all by itself. And that's where a lot of Christians are right now. We've talked about seen statistics estimating that one-third of churchgoers are not coming back. Ever. Well, okay, that's bad on the church, difficult on the church, but even more so those that were either connected to the faith or checking out the faith, and now they've gone, so they're in, in risk of great danger. And But, you know, you think about COVID, all this experience, we could spend a whole year of series on crazy pastors that did crazy things during COVID-19. The healing hankies? <laughs> the healing hankies of we're not shutting down for anything and or we're, yeah, just, there's just, it's just, it, everything was just crazy. And uh, government can't tell us what to do. Yeah. I mean, just a debate over the PPP money. I mean, it was just, it was just a crazy time and people are scrambling to try to find answers and some kind of foundation to stand on and there are weak foundations built. It's just a totally different world than when it, it was a few years ago. I think it's interesting to look at churches across the national landscape and see how they've responded to all this stuff. About six months into the COVID initial crisis, I'm a part of a national group of executive pastors that get together once a year, and we weren't really scheduled to. Matter of fact, we had canceled our meeting, but then felt, man, it's such a difficult season right now for church. We need to get together and brainstorm and yeah. talk best practices. I thought it was fascinating to see the diversity of responses. Like, you know, it was pretty adamant in the room that it's a spiritual discipline that you need to be at church. Yeah. And so how do we communicate to our people to overcome their fear and get to church? That yeah. was a big discussion. Really? Some of them, there was even just a kind of a, a general statement that was affirmed by several that if we cannot get our people back to church, then our church is not going to make it. Mm, yeah, uh, that's a lot. Which is hard. You that's that a, going on. Yeah. yeah, and you know, typically it's not the big churches that are being impacted that way. It's you know, right. typically the smaller churches that yeah. have folded during all of this. Mm. And then we look now today to see what are people thinking about response to COVID. I know there's a lot of churches around the country very counterintuitively are shutting down their live streams, yeah. 
or even shutting down any type of broadcasted service and saying, look, if you're going to be a part of our church family, this is how you do it. You come on site and you be with the church family. Yeah. And, you know, I struggle with that because I think that's part of that denying reality. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're taking the, and whatever that percentage would be of those who just chosen not to come back compared to those who just are truly fearful. And you're kind of pushing those to the side to try to address those, you know, because I think there is something of watching a service in real time, even if you're not there. Right. That's, I think that's a little deeper sense of connection than watching it recorded later. So I, I don't know. I, I hear that going on, but I don't think that was something I would want to do. Then you have the other opposite response is of guys like Groeschel that are going yeah. all in on digital yeah. campuses. Yeah, meta campus. Meta, yes. <laughs> Be careful. Well, you know, I think that it is sometimes we do things that have a high likelihood of failure. Yeah. And I mean, at the church, I mean, for any company, sometimes you've got to do real flyer ideas, knowing that it's probably going to fail, but you do it so that you can learn as a building block to something that's coming up next. Right. Right. So I, I don't disparage Groeschel for doing this. Yeah. When we first started through COVID, we had several different places. We had different countries that were growing life groups yeah. and using our broadcast feed as their church service. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah. And I think there's a way to do that, right? So we talk about internet campuses, but still you have that dynamic of community at that campus. Maybe it is the other side of the world, but there's still that people coming together, which that is church. It doesn't have to be right. 2,000 people coming together, uh, just a group of people coming together in, in relationships. So I think there's a way to do that and address the issue that we're facing with COVID. Yeah, I wonder what Mark Dever thinks about online yeah. campuses. <laughs> Yeah, I know that he hates it. But the, the the one assembly method, yeah. for those who don't know. Yeah, which again, is great and, and the ideal, perhaps. But again, I think he would not argue the fact if you had 20 people together coming together in church. But well, I, he'd probably argue that anyway. I would, t- I would argue that, all Most right? Because I remember stuff. one of our goes in the past has been Pastor Talk, great podcast. Yeah. They don't necessarily align 100% with how we think about the world and yep. everything, but... We have 10 marks. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our, matter of fact, that's our sub-podcast <laughs> title is 10 marks. But I remember Mark, I, I really, I was surprised when he said this. It was a discussion on baptism. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy in the military oh. that came to Christ on a battleship yeah. and attends church chapel, yeah. right, with all these other sailors and wanted to know, should he get baptized? Yeah. Uh, and the answer was no. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. that get back no, to a local church. Local yeah. church. Come back to your one assembly. I thought, yeah. that's that's a little much. Yeah. What about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, right? Hold it. There, he wasn't did someone baptized get baptized? In, he wasn't baptized in a church. It was just a puddle on the side of the road. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. Let's go into our go, no-go segment for today. Okay. Can I go first? Please. What's your go, no-go for today? Mine is uh, cauliflower rice. What? Uh, yeah, it's a go. Uh, I was very skeptical at the beginning. Not a big cauliflower fan. Done the cauliflower crust. You know, it's okay if you put enough pizza toppings on it. But... Um, <laughs> found a cauliflower rice that has added vegetables and seasoning in it, and, you know, it's not horrible. Now, uh, is that your Costco seasoned cauliflower you're talking about? I think about? that's what it is. I don't yeah. know where Robin, my wife, gets it, but uh, it was can... surprisingly good. Man, I'm so glad to hear yeah, that. and healthy, apparently. Matter of fact, uh, I was another hurt in my life was mm-hmm. when Chipotle stopped. Oh selling cauliflower, cauliflower rice. Did they stop? They stopped. Really? Yeah. It, and so I have not been, gone back. So if the owners of Chipotle are listening, if they bring back cauliflower rice, I shall return to okay. Chipotle. That, Until that may, then, they are on a banned list. That may turn the tables for them. 
<laughs> you love your Chipotle. Yes. How about yours, Christopher? Do you have a go no go? I do have a go no go, and I'm going to apologize in advance. <laughs> for this go no go. Peter Drucker was once asked by a successful businessman. Was he on Green Acres? No, different one. Oh, okay. And this Peter Drucker, the father of modern leadership, oh, that guy. Uh, wrote some foundational books in the 60s that still today are gold. Yes. 1960s, I should have said. <laughs> and he was once asked by a successful businessman, How can I be a better businessman? His advice to him was learn to play the violin. Hmm. Do something completely outside of your scope, outside of your field, and it will help you do what you do better. So I have an out there book to recommend today. Okay. The book I have is called Fundamentals. It's 10 Keys to Reality. Now, what in the world does that mean? I don't know. It's written by a guy named Frank Wilchick, and I'm holding the book. It is only, I don't know, 250 pages. It's not very long. It's a small book. Frank, or I should say Dr. Wilchick, is the winner of the Nobel Prize in Physics. Wow. And he decided to write this book because he got tired of his friends asking him physics questions all the time. <laughs> and so he just, and it was hard to explain to him the things that rattle around in his mind. I feel the same way. <laughs> so he wrote this book, and it's supposed to be written for the layperson oh. to understand the most significant thoughts of physics, hmm. quantum mechanics. I mean, it's, I will tell you this, even though it's written for a layperson, I must yeah. be a really, really slow layperson uh, <laughs> because it is by far, at least for my mind, the hardest book to digest that I've ever read. Wow. Uh, there was another book called The Knowing Doing Gap that Don McMinn just oh. loved, and it was like a thousand pages. Yeah. I gave up on that no. one. Just way too much. No. But but I am fascinated by what the book talks about. It is completely out of the normal pastoral thought process. And I would really encourage, if you, if you do like physics and you're interested in science, this is a book that I think, it, as it has for me, shed light on more mundane areas of my life that I can actually truly wrap my mind around. Would you send me a link to that? I'd be happy to. <laughs> I'd, um, I'd be happy yeah. to. Friends, if you're still listening at this point. Um, Sorry, no, let's wake up. You're just wake seeing up. some uh, insight into the differences between me and, and Brother Cass. He talks about books on physics, and I'm talking about cauliflower rice. So I think that sums it up. Well, But yet we're still compatible and we still get along. Different strokes for different folks. So we can read the book and eat cauliflower rice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, And uh, find joy in that. Part of my weirdness is that I actually do try to read one physics book a year. That is weird. I know. I know. But thank you for still but letting me serve Good on you. you. Good on you. Somebody needs to. Okay. So welcome back to the show. <laughs> hey, let, let's talk about one last scattershoot topic. And I don't think we've referenced this before, but two of our favorite authors used to get together mm. on a regular basis oh. and they would get to the Eagle and Child pub and they would sit right. in a booth that's right and that booth is still there today if you go wow. visit the pub in oxford and c.s lewis J.R.R. tolkien would get together and they would get their beverage they would one had a pipe one had a cigar and when everything was prepared then and only then would they ask the question what has become more clear to you since last we met yes so i thought it might be that, that is a question that has absolutely rocked my world. Yes. Uh, I've been chewing on that question for many, many years. And of our global audience that went through the Lead Well material, yeah. they know that that is something that I ask often. That's a great question. So I would ask this of you, Ronnie. Yes. In the vastness of your mind and your heart, what is ruminating, what's rummaging around in that great brain of yours these days? Honestly, absolutely nothing. That so, makes sense. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> 
No, you know, our friend, Pastor Jonathan Cologne, mm. brought a devotion the other day about the battle and the blessing. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I've been thinking that, processing through that with this, again, with the COVID-19 and all the craziness of the world, that they are. They happen simultaneously. We talk about mountain peaks and valleys, but so many times in life, one part of life's on a mountaintop, the other part's down the valley. And so just learning that that's kind of the normal rhythm of life and not being disgruntled or discouraged because, hey, everything's not on the mountaintop right now that I'm experiencing. Yeah, this is good over here, but this is bad over here. And so that can affect our perspective. And just realizing that that perspective, that there is the positive side of that, even though you're in a battle, there's blessing going on. It's just kind of what are you looking for? Where, where are you focusing your attention? What are you allowing to drive you and motivate you to move forward? And if it's always about the battle, then you're going to be exhausted. But if you take time to look for the blessing that we just talked about, yeah. even in COVID-19, that's where we find our energy. Is that not also part of just the social dilemma that we're in uh, today mm. that people, it seems to me, go out of their way to engage yeah. in the negative, <laughs> in the pessimistic, yeah. in the tearing down of things, yes. the cancel culture, all of that, and they're not they're not looking at the greatness, the beauty of what's happening around them. It's interesting, too, because if you see what people post most of the time right. about themselves, it's the positive, it's the vacation, it's the food. It's like, so, okay, what's going on here? I was like, are you trying to convince yourself that things are good? Are you afraid to be open and vulnerable to somebody because you don't want them to see that maybe you're hurting? I don't know. It's an interesting consideration. Well, one of the things that I have been wrestling with now for a number of years, and it's it's kind of risen to the surface here recently, I, I'm really big on culture, not societal culture, not national yeah. culture, but organizational culture. I'm really fortunate that here in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be with our inestimable Rick Cadden, yeah. and we will be co-teaching a session on healthy church culture. And so, you know, we're writing content and things like that, and just... I think what what spurs my heart about this topic is getting around the number of churches that, again, today it's far less than I used to, but just getting around other churches and seeing that they don't have necessarily a deliberate culture. They haven't defined it. And one of the reasons the topic is on my heart is having spent time in the past and even now with several other churches other yeah. than our own, one of the things I think it's a fault that I see is an accidental culture. That What do you mean by that? Well, it's not that Explain. it's an unhealthy culture, but it's an undefined culture. So I listened to a podcast the other day, and I think it was a leadership. Matter of fact, it was a Vanderblumen uh, culture podcast. Oh, yeah. And they defined it really as a fluff culture, one that they do have a culture, but it's not written. No one really knows what it is. It's not purposeful. It's just happening. Right, right. And so I'm not saying it's unhealthy, but the thing that I really wrestle with is trying to help people understand that if you define it and you have a dogmatic approach to maintain it, you can accomplish so much more with so much less pain. So why not just bite the bullet yeah. and spend the time to write all these things out so that everybody that works in your church or your company understands not these superfluous cultural statements, yeah. but things that really apply to how they function as a team together. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. I'm really wrestling with that and trying to write some stuff on it. Cool. 
All right. I like it a lot. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastors story to share or you'd like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.